Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Man, can we give it up for our worship team this morning? We love our worship team. So grateful for them and all that they do. Hey, happy 4th of July. Are you excited for the tomorrow's the 4th of July? It's a, it's a beautiful weekend. The sun is shining. God is on the move and good things are ahead. Amen, church. Do you believe that this morning? Hey, I like good news. Does anybody else like good news? I thought since I'm up here, I'd ha- I have the opportunity to share some good news. I don't think... My husband has got to share yet, but if you know our son, Presley, who's on the front row, can you lift up Press, babe? Can you lift him up so he could wave? He's our little... (laughs) And why don't we lift up King too, so he doesn't feel left out? Here's his twin brother. (laughs) And Kingsley. Our three and a half year old miracle boys, they're, they really are miracle, our miracle sons, like all of our seven children are. But you guys have been praying for our son, Presley. Um, if you don't know, he was diagnosed at birth with a rare um, genetic disorder um, called Noonan syndrome. And with that, it, it brings um, like heart defects, I guess you could say. Um, but if you know Chris and I, we said from the beginning, nope. That we don't, we, we, even though that was his diagnosis and as we met with doctors and they begin to tell us the limitations that would be on his life. We whispered into his ear, son, you'll never be limited. God has a plan for your life. And truly we have seen that come to fruition in so many incredible ways. He was told, we were told at birth that he would most likely need a heart procedure, a procedure done on his heart, eventually surgery. And we just begin to declare, God, I thank you. He's never going to need that, but you are the greatest heart surgeon and you're going to do a miracle on his heart. And I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly that Presley will never be limited. His name means priest. And you've heard us share stories of him before, but he is, his name means lover of the house of God. And he truly is a little priest. He loves the house of God. When he's not here, all he wants to watch is Capitol Church online. And he wants to sing. I am not exaggerating in the least. Anybody who knows him here can testify. He just wants to worship and preach all day long. It's just the grace of God on his life. It's amazing. Then our little Kingsley, he's he's a king. He's obsessed with superheroes and protecting, protecting people. He always, I loved it. I was the other day I was holding him in worship um, right here on the front row. And he had his back facing this way. And his hand was like this for webs, spider webs. He was just scanning the crowd. He was getting my back, making sure mom, you're, we're, we're good. We're protected. I love how God, they just fall into their names. Isn't it amazing? But Presley, um, I wanted to share some good news. We, he, he's been going to a cardiologist regularly at first it was every three months, then it became every six months. And um, the last appointment we had, um, the doctor looked at his heart, did our echocardiogram on it, and he came into the room. He's he's a wonderful doctor. I am so grateful for him. He's always very positive, but I've never seen such a smile on his face as this time. And he came in the room and normally he'll small talk right off the bat. He said, well, Presley, your heart looks great, buddy. And he began to tell us how when in the past we had been told that it will never... 
um, it will never get better. Our hope is that it could stay the same. But the doctor said that his heart is getting better. It's actually progressing. And so that is a miracle from God. And he said, in fact, he's doing so well, I don't need to see him for another year. So we went out of that appointment rejoicing. And so I wanted to share that good news with you. God hears our prayers. He answers. And and when God... When God speaks something to you, you stand on that word. It doesn't matter what word or diagnosis or or prediction you've been given. If God gives you a word that he will never be limited, then you stand on that word and you declare it and you confess it. And we've seen that come to pass in his life. And so I wanted to share that good news with you. So if you're believing for a miracle, you are in the right house. We believe in miracles. We believe in a God who is faithful to his promises. We believe in a God who is who he says he is and will do what he said he would do. Amen. Amen. So we're going to pray for that at the end of today, but I am so honored to be up here. Speaking of honor, I'm going to talk about honor today and I'm titling this message, a kingdom culture built on honor must resist a cancel culture rooted in contempt. And we're going to talk about that today. A kingdom culture, the kingdom of God is built on honor. And in our current cultural moment, which many have called a cancel culture, we find that it is rooted in contempt. A first century writer once asked of his age, what is left when honor is lost? I believe our age can provide the answer, contempt. Can we pray church? Father, I thank you this morning that you are here in this place where we just open up our hearts to hear your voice. I thank you that you are in the house. And if you are in the house, all things are possible. I love what we what we sang this morning, that chains are falling all over this place. And Lord, I heard the sounds in the spirit this morning. And so God, I pray today that you would come and break any chains off of us, Lord, break any wrong thinking off of us, Lord, break any, take a, uproot any contentment in our hearts this morning. Do a deep heart work in us this morning, God, that we can truly reflect as your church, reflect the kingdom of God on earth today in a world and culture so that that so desperately needs it. And so God come speak through me, not my words, but your words and pierce every heart here today. And we just open up our hearts, Lord, to receive that which you wanna say to us. If you agree, can you say amen? Amen. So we see contempt at work in our current day. It's causing us to dismiss entire segments of society and destroying the social fabric of our lives. It is fracturing marriages, long-held friendships, It's fracturing work environments, parental and sibling relationships, and even churches today. America's esprit, uh, let me see if I say this right, esprit de corps. Did I say that right, babe? You're like, what are you even talking about? I don't know. (laughs) Used to be e pluribus unum, out of many, one. 13 small colonies came together with the realization that they were better together, despite their differences. And this fragile union seems to be collapsing before our eyes today. Sebastian Junger documented the grief that veterans often feel upon returning to America after serving overseas. And I'm quoting him saying, we live in a society that is basically at war with itself today. People speak with incredible contempt about depending on their views, the rich, the poor, the educated, the foreign born, the president, or the entire U.S. government. 
It's a level of contempt that is usually reserved for enemies at wartime, except that now it is applied to our fellow citizens. Unlike criticism, contempt is particularly toxic because it assumes a moral superiority in the speaker. Contempt is often directed at people who have been excluded from a group or declared unworthy of its benefits. Contempt is often used by governments to provide rhetorical cover for torture or abuse. People who speak with contempt for one another will probably not remain united for long. So what used to be out of many one now seems to become out of one many. Believers too, that's us, turn to your neighbor, say that's us, can get drawn into contempt today in the realm of politics, but will find it hard to isolate that attitude from other areas of the heart. It soon bleeds into the way we see our brothers and our sisters inside the Christian community. It's that same spirit at work. And so it doesn't matter how, what your viewpoints are. It doesn't matter what your politics are. I love how my husband preaches this so much. We are kingdom people. And so it matters not just the truth we speak, but the spirit in which we operate. And I've been challenged in this in my own life. It doesn't matter how right you think you are. It doesn't even matter if you are right, because if the spirit you're operating in is the same spirit of this world, it's ineffective and it ruins our witness. First Corinthians 13 says, love is patient. It is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Ouch, does not hurt sometimes, no matter how right you think you are. Love, it says right here, is not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but instead rejoices in the truth. And so it's not just the, it's not just the truth that we speak, but it's the spirit in which we operate. It must be a spirit of love that we operate in. Otherwise, if it's the spirit of this world, we're giving into the same spirit. It's that same spirit at work in us. Does that make sense, church? Okay, hopefully I articulated that. Okay, so what is contempt? Contempt is to despise or to dishonor or to shame. It is the opposite of honor. It is to dishonor. It's the feeling or attitude of regarding someone or something as inferior or worthless. We see this 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 attitude at work in our world today. It is everywhere. It is prevalent. It is at work. It is the current cancel culture that we are living in. It's a, it's a dismissing. I am, I am greater than you. You are less than me. I'm cutting you off. I don't like what you had to say. I don't agree with it. You're offending me. You're triggering me. You're, you're coming against my truth. And so therefore I'm done with you. That young people, that is the current culture that we are living in. But that is not the kingdom of God. We must guard our hearts against the cancer of contempt. It is a, it is a spiritual cancer. It's an, it can be often invisible. You don't even know that it's, per, it's permeated you. This is why we must daily come before the feet of Jesus and say, search me, O God, and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. I pray this prayer. I try to every single day because, oh, how, what does it mean to be deceived? You're deceived. You don't know if, I didn't say that right at all. <laughs> but if you're deceived, you don't know that you're deceived. That's the very nature of deception, right? So 
this is why we must ask the Holy Spirit to search us every day. Because the enemy is clever. He's clever. He sneaks in. And I think a lot of times today in our current moment, politics is a way that he is sneaking in because the enemy is clever and everything has become political. We don't have moral issues anymore. We don't have biblical issues anymore. Everything is political. So you can't say anything this, in this current day without rocking the boat. He is clever. Therefore, that spirit can so easily creep into us, church. As I was preparing this message, oh man, the Holy Spirit went to work in me first and he showed me areas where contempt had got into my heart and it broke me and I had to repent. Can I tell you, church, we have to do this every single day. Search me, oh God, and know me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. These are prayers we must pray every day to guard against the spirit that is at work in our world today. Did you know contempt, it distorts us. It dis disfigures us. You can kind of think of contempt as anger and disgust mixed. That's how I kind of think of it. I was watching recently I just stumbled upon it, but this uh, body language expert, and it was fascinating because he said, out of all of the emotions that the range of emotions humans experience, every single one of them, there's synchronization on the face. Both sides will match each other. If you're happy, your whole face is happy. Try being happy with lungs. <laughs> you can't do it, right? But he said the only emotion that causes distortion on the face and causes one side to not mirror the other is contempt. And he said, you can kind of think of it as like a, like that's how I, I don't know. There's many variations of it, but it's like oftentimes the lip will come up on one side. It's like an eye roll. It's a, like it's a, it's a disdain. It's a disgust. It's a looking down upon. I love one person, one psychologist categorized anger in three ways. He said resentment is, is an anger that we reflect towards a higher status individual. Anger is something that we reflect towards an equal status individual. Contentment is something that we, that we convey to a, what we consider a lower status individual. So it's a look, it's not just anger, but it's a looking down. It's like, I don't have time for you. It's a dishonoring. And that is the culture of our current moment. We see this spirit at work in the, in the people of Israel. I preached this message a few weeks back. Um, if you heard it, you, I, I kind of alluded to it, but in the, in the, um, in the wilderness, the people of the children of Israel were trying to cross over. They were getting ready to cross over into their promised land. You know the story. I don't have time to get into the whole thing, but it says that the, they sent out the 12 spies. As we know, two came back with a positive, with a faith filled report. And then there was the 10 that brought the bad report, the bad news. And then the people, because of the bad report, begin to grumble and complain. And another word for that is contempt. And it says in Numbers 14, 11, I believe we have it up there, but, but God said to Moses, how do we have it up there? So I quote it correctly. That's okay if we don't. But in essence, he said, how long will this people despise me or show me contempt? So we know that contempt is, is a looking down upon. So what's so, and we, and we look at that, we look at that, that scripture and we say, Oh, how could they miss out on their promised land? Because they grumbled and they complained. We, we think that's not a big deal, but really what they were doing is they were showing God 
the king contempt. They were despising God's goodness. They were looking down upon God. How dare they, correct? How dare they look down upon God, the one who brought, who was bringing them in, who had done miracle after miracle after miracle in the desert and was now crossing them over into their promised land. They were showing contempt to God. Contempt in our hearts can be a cancer that can cause us to miss our promised land. God loved his people so much. He had to deal with a cancer of contempt in their hearts and would not let contempt enter in to the promised land that he had for them. Because of the contempt in their hearts, see, he had freed them from the, the, from the tyranny of Pharaoh, but they refused to be freed from the tyranny of contempt in their hearts. And because of that, it caused them to miss out on what God had for them. God would not let that cancer go into the promised land. And because of that, they wandered in the desert for 40 more years. So we too have to check our hearts to make sure that we do not let contempt come into our hearts and thus strip us of God's power in our lives and cause us from entering in to the promised land. Contempt, or sorry, social psychologist and relationship expert, John Gutman, I hope I'm saying that right, famously predicted that with, with 94% accuracy, he could look at a, a married couple, observe a brief snippet of their conversation, and he could predict with 94% accuracy if they would end in divorce or not. And you know what he looked for? An eye roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Contempt. He looked for signs of contempt. See, it wasn't just anger because we all, we all will have anger. It's the, the Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. But contempt is a different kind of anger. And so he would look for signs of contempt, sneering, hostile humor, eye rolling, uh, just a looking down. And he said that if couples, if that had creeped in to a marriage, it was really hard to overcome. So we have that at work today in our marriages. We have that at work today in, in, in child and parent, par, child parent relationships. The Bible says in the last days, children will be disobedient of parents. There will be a disregard, a disrespect for parents. So we see that spirit at work today. But there is good news. Turn to your neighbor and say good news. There is a cure for the cancer of contempt in our culture. And that is honor. The word honor is tomeo, and it means to assign value or to prize someone. It's the very opposite of contempt. It is to see. As my husband preached a few weeks back on the blessing, what does it mean to bless someone? It means to see them. Honor is to see. It is to recognize someone's value or worth. See, glory is the weight It's the value, it's the worth. But honor is to recognize the value and the worth in someone. And this is where honor contains the power to transform our current cultural moment. Two points. One, a person of honor sees people, whereas a person of contempt dismisses them. A person of honor, I'm challenging all of us church, if we wanna be people of honor, I'm reiterating what my husband preached so brilliantly a few weeks back. We must see people. Contempt dismisses people. It brushes people off. 
It uses people as stepping stones for its own personal gain. But honor, a person of honor sees people. Wherever they go, they see people of value and worth. See, if contempt devalues, honor restores it. Honor restores it. And our culture today desperately needs honor to restore a broken and fractured culture. You see, honor is the culture of the kingdom of God. Contempt is the current cancel culture of this world. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. You see, contempt seeks to place people in categories of status, race, skin color, gender, popularity, you name it. But Jesus didn't see tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners, or outcasts. He saw people crowned with glory, worthy of honor and recognition wherever he went. He didn't place people in categories. He didn't say, oh, they're beneath me. No, in fact, often those were the ones that he would go to most, the ones that society would cast out. He would go to, he would eat with tax collectors. He would, he would converse with prostitutes. He would be with those that society deemed worthless and not worthy of our time. Those were the very people Jesus saw crowned with glory. And we are given the same charge today, church. We must see people as he sees them wherever we go. First Peter 2.17 says this, if we can get it up there. There we go. Honor everyone. What does it say? Most people, some people, those you agree with, honor everyone, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. See, this is the way we don't collude with the spirit of this world. It is so easy to give in to the spirit of this age and to think we are so right and we are so above and we have every right to say and do and such and such. But the Bible gives no room for that. It says honor everyone. That doesn't mean you agree with everyone. It doesn't mean you can't speak truth but we honor everyone and we fear God. We fear God, but we honor everyone. Romans 12, 10 says this. I love this. This is a challenge for us. It says, here we go. <laughs> I should have wrote it myself. Did I do it? Oh, was that? There it is. I'm sorry. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Come on, this current world, it's like, it's like, it's a competition for who can cancel the most, right? Who can be the most woke? Who can cut off the most people? Who can, who can offend the most people? No, the Bible says outdo one another with honor. Outdo one another with showing 
honor. This is how you shine. Uh, uh, Philippians 2, 14 says that you might shine like bright lights in a perverse and crooked generation. You are, you know what that scripture is really referencing to? It's contrasting the people in the, in the, the children in the wilderness when it says it refer to them as a crooked and reverse generation. But I love Caleb and Joshua. They stood out. They didn't despise God. They didn't have contempt in their hearts, but they, they were filled with honor and they were filled with faith. And because of that, they stood out. They shined like bright, bright lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That verse also points to Daniel 12, 3. My husband praises over my children every single day that they would shine like the stars in heaven. And I, I, this is our challenge, church. We are meant to stand out. We are not meant to blend in. We are meant to be a bright light wherever we go. And honor is a way in which we do this. We carry honor. We value people. We see people as Jesus saw them. So how can we be, how can we better see people? We remember that just like us, everyone has a backstory. Everybody has a story. So rather than rushing to judgment, Honor takes into consideration all that people have been through. I love that. There's a story. I, I love this story. My husband taught this to our staff years ago. And he always talks about how we must, fill, there's always a gap, right? When we don't have the full story in someone's life, there's a gap. And we will either fill the gap with trust or suspicion. And a lot of times, that's why the Bible words it this way, believe the best, believe the best about people. That's what love does. Just like we would want grace extended to us, we also need to extend grace and honor to other people. So we fill in the gap with trust. We believe the best. We assume that we don't know their story. We don't have it all figured out. We don't know what led up to that. There's a this thought that just, that haunts me. Um, I read in this book, it says, but because we interact with people in scenes of their lives, we often are unaware of what it has cost them to reach this current moment we are walking on the scene of. We forget this. We forget that people's lives are, there, there's complexity. People have pain. People have, in our current moment, we have a lot, there is a lot going on, not in just personal lives, but in our world today. There is great spiritual warfare. There is so many things at work. And just like we have complicated lives, Others do too. And just as we would want grace extended to us, we also need to extend grace towards others. I love this story. Stephen Covey, he shared a personal, a powerful example of how understanding someone's story honors that person's experience. One weekend while taking a train in New York, he was relishing some quiet reflection and solace. The train stopped, the doors opened, and a father and his children got in. The children began to shout and throw things and disturb the whole train. When Covey could handle it no longer, he challenged the man, sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you couldn't control them a little more. The man lifted his gaze as if to come to a consciousness of the situation for the first time and said softly, oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. I'm so sorry. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think and I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Can you imagine what I felt at that moment? 
my whole paradigm shifted. See, we come on this scene of people's lives, but we have no idea, no idea what happened minutes before that, hours, days. We don't know the scene, or the, I'm sorry, the season that they're in. We don't know possibly the decades they've been waiting on a promise for. We have no idea. And this is why I've been personally so challenged when I, because I know I want grace extended to me. I want to extend it to others. And I've had to repent because there's times I've, I've been quick to judge. We do this in our marriage. We do this with our children. We do this with coworkers. We do this with friends. We do this with strangers. We can be so quick to judge, but honor recognizes that everyone has a story. It sees people. It recognizes the value that that person holds and it fills in the gap with honor and with compassion and with trust. See, honor causes us to give, extend compassion to people. So we must fill in that gap with honor and suspicion. I'll share a personal story because why not? But I, I, we've all experienced this, right? Have you ever had one of those days when it's just like all hell is breaking loose? You know, it's just like, oh God, everything's going wrong. And you're just like stressed. And like I said, I like you guys know we have seven kids, but it's not just seven kids. It's like four, four kids that were born in a year. So it's like basically quads and it's just a little overwhelming sometimes. And so in their, in their toddler years. So if you have a toddler, multiply that by four and you can begin to imagine the craziness that is our lives sometimes, though it's the greatest blessing and we love it. But I remember this particular day I was out and I decided I'm going to, I was by myself and I'm like, I'm going to take the kids to do something fun today. And you know, when you're, the kids are just melting down and it's just, you're sweating, you're hot. You're like, am I the only one? Can I, anybody please tell me I'm not the only one. Okay. And you're just like, you're, the kids, I, I remember this and I decided to take them to this little play place. And um, I walked in and just all hell broke loose. One of my sons wanted to just go and play. Didn't care that I had to sign them up, go through the paperwork, all that. My big kids are like, you know, fighting and like being irritable with each other. And then my other kids are just, one of them takes off running, just like all this stuff. And I'm like sweating. And it's like the last time, the last place that you'd want to meet someone for the first time, right? It's like, you're like praying, please God, like, don't let me see anybody I know. Have you been there before? When you're like, I'm just running to the store really quick. Please let me not see anybody. And you see 50 people, right? Yeah, it's like one of those days. And um, and I ran, and she's she's here in the room probably, but I ran into someone for the first time that I was so excited to meet. And it was just for the worst time for me. I was just flustered. I just was like, the kids were screaming in my ear. You know, those kind of scenarios. And I remember I came home from that and I just felt so much shame. I just felt, gosh, I just like, why, why did, why did I have to meet her right then? Like, I, you know, she's going to think this of me and all this. And I just remember I, the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me in that moment. And I just remember thinking, I remember thinking in that moment, oh, I, if I, this was the Holy Spirit thought. So hopefully this makes sense. But I remember thinking, oh, if Chris, if Chris could speak to her because he knows me, he loves me, he would explain to her, oh, if you only knew, if you only knew what had been going on that day. If you only knew how, how crazy our, our kids had been, how wild the morning had been, et cetera, et cetera. And as I began to think that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, do you do that for others? And I was so challenged 
But how many times if I want grace extended to me, how many times do I extend that to other people? And so I just want to challenge you. We all go through that. Amen. We all need grace. Raise your hand if you need grace in here, right? Raise your hand if you have bad days. Okay. Raise your hand if you are not always at your best. Okay. So therefore we all need grace. And so let's be a culture, a church that we honor people. We understand they have a story. We don't have it all figured out. We're not quick to judgment. We extend compassion and grace to people. Amen. And number two, a person of honor is willing to be inconvenienced. Whereas a person of contempt is self-serving. Woo, God has been challenging me on this. He's been training me on inconvenience because how many know inconvenience is inconvenient? It's never at a, at a convenient time or a mildly convenient time. It's always when it's inconvenient. And the Holy Spirit's been challenging me this. Not only do I need to see people and assign value to people. And this is simple too. It could just be smiling at people more. Like, let's just be people who smile. I always try to make an effort wherever I go to make eye contact and smile at people because that's, especially after 2020, right? That's kind of a lost dying art. Let's, when you smile at someone, you're saying, I see you, you're valuable, you're important. And so it's just simple things that we can do. It doesn't always mean that you're gonna have a conversation where you get to tell them about Jesus, but you can be Jesus to a world that desperately needs to see bright, shining lights. And so not only do we see people, but we must take it a step further and we must be willing to be inconvenienced. I love this. 2 Timothy 3.1 says this, but understand this, that in the last days, there will, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self. You see, contempt is self-serving. That word self means, or to be lovers of self means to be, it's someone who is preoccupied with their own selfish desires. In James 3.14, it says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. For this is that wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly and spiritual and demonic. For where selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every evil thing present. So that a person of contempt is rooted in self-serving ambition, but a person of honor must then be willing to be inconvenienced. See, we have to remember every single day, we're not building for our own kingdom. We're building his kingdom. And the Holy Spirit challenged me on this just again this week. I had a powerful time in prayer. And you know those prayer times where it's like the heavens part and you just see so clearly. It's like you just see, can see so clearly like truths that you've known, but it's like, it just becomes so real to you in that moment. And I had one of those moments this week and I was praying for my children and praying for our family. And I just, I just, God just began to challenge me. You are my ambassador. You are on mission. I have entrusted these children for you. It's like our own little troop, our own little army. And that wherever we go, we are advancing his kingdom. It says in Joshua, wherever the sole of your foot treads, 
I will give it to you. And I saw so clearly the heavens were like parted and I saw so clearly like that we were like a bright light wherever we went, that God desired, there's just, there was just darkness, but everywhere, wherever we go, whether it's Target, whether it's a park, whether wherever it's jump time, whatever it is, we are, we, a bright light has entered the room and we are on mission to advance his kingdom. So what this does is it makes every moment intentional and purposeful. So I want to challenge mothers too. We are doing such an important work. We are training our children to live on mission. And I, we, Chris and I have been so challenged as we do this with our kids to be wherever we go, we're mindful of other people. We tell our kids all the time, we're helpers. If it's in our ability to help someone, we help. And if we have to be inconvenienced, we're inconvenienced. If we have to turn the car around and go back, if we have to get money out of our wallet, if we have to stop and talk to someone when maybe it's uncomfortable, whatever it is, we're willing to be inconvenienced because we are on assignment. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are on mission. I want to read this to you in 2 Corinthians 5, 16. I don't know if I... Do I have it up there? Yes, I love this. It says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people to God. This is our mission on earth. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message. He entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. This means that we, wherever, just like when a country sends its ambassador, it's representing that nation, that country. We are Christ's ambassadors. And I know we hear this, but I want this to us to catch it today that we have been given a mess, a mission of reconciliation for the world. That means that no, no day is wasted. That means that that no small thing is too small or insignificant. We have the opportunity to advance the kingdom of God wherever we go. So not only do we see people, but we are willing to be inconvenienced. Just yesterday, we went, my husband and I drove up to the campground for a family camp and we were up there for a while. And then we did, our kids really wanted to play on the beach. So we decided to take them to Shore Lodge because they had a beach there that they could play on. And we got them all. We found this perfect spot and there was no one around and we had chairs and we got to order lunch. And Chris and I looked at each other. We're like, peace? What is this? We're like, oh my gosh, our kids were playing. It was like so calm. Like we're on the beach. It was beautiful. And I just remember thinking, oh God, thank you for this moment. I never get to sit and have a meal without toddlers grabbing my face or eating my food. And I just was so content in that moment. And it lasted about one minute. Because then all of a sudden, as if we don't have enough toddlers around us, this cute little toddler came up to us out of nowhere and just walked right in the midst of us. And and the, it ended up being a nanny, but we thought the mom just 
just followed her too, was walking. And normally I would love that. But in that moment, can I just be honest? Can we just be real? I was like, not right now. I just want, I already have four toddlers and they're at peace. Please just give us a minute. That, that's just the selfishness in my heart that I was thinking. And the Holy Spirit interrupted me and he said, no, no, no. Remember what we prayed just a few days ago. You are on mission. You have to be willing to be inconvenienced. And all of us, and it just pierced my heart. And so I looked at her and I said, oh, honey, what's your name? And we began to talk to her. And then she became BFFs with my little Waverly who desperately needed a girl because if you know, she's surrounded by boy toddlers and she was just so happy. And we ended up talking with them and had such a lovely time. And I just was so challenged by that because I remembered God, we have to be willing to be inconvenienced in our life. See, I don't know their story. You know, I'm selfishly thinking, if you only knew, if you only knew, I never get to sit on a beach and have a meal and I never get to have quiet. <laughs> How dare you infringe upon that? And then I heard the Holy Spirit, you don't know their story. You don't know what could have been leading up to that moment. I don't know. Maybe that little girl really needed some love. She needed, as we looked into her eyes and we said, you're so kind. You're such a good friend to my daughter. Who knows? I just felt the Holy Spirit say, you have no idea. You have no idea. And God entrusted us in that moment with a message of reconciliation. He said, will you be my hands and my feet to that little girl? Because just like she doesn't know your story, you don't know her story. And so I was challenged by that. And I want to challenge us church. Honor seeks to see and it's willing to be inconvenienced. In a culture right now, our culture right now dismisses people and it's self-seeking, self-serving. How do we stand out in the midst of such a crooked and perverse generation. Philippians 2, and I close with this, verse one. It says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we walk in honor, we give glory to God. We cause others to see Christ at work in our world. And the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will one day bow. 
every tongue will one day confess. Church, we have a mission we've been given to honor people, to see people, to not be too busy and walk past, but to be willing to be inconvenienced. Nobody modeled this better than Jesus. Jesus was always on his way when the greatest stories happened, when he was inconvenienced, when people were seen by him. He wasn't too busy to stop and turn. He always exampled this. And this is our mission too. No matter how busy we are, no matter how many children we have, no matter how crazy the times are, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation in our world today. Let us live it well, church. Go ahead and close your eyes. I wanna pray for us this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, help us to be those that are built for your kingdom. And we live out lives of honor. Lord, we don't get caught up in our current cultural moment. We don't let contempt creep into our hearts, that that deadly cancer that can come in. So God, every day we come before your feet and we say, search us, oh God, and know us. Lord, see if there be any wicked way in us right now and lead us in the way everlasting. Lord, if we have let contempt sneak in, maybe we're recognizing it today in our marriage. Maybe it's how we talk to our spouse. Maybe it's how we talk down to our children. Maybe it's a friendship that we've had that's been dealing with disagreements lately. Maybe it's in our workplace. Maybe it's to a stranger. Lord, if we have let contempt come in our hearts, Lord, forgive us. Cleanse our hearts today of all unrighteousness. And Lord, today, as you wash us and cleanse us, I thank you that we would begin to live lives of honor, where we live on mission, where we live every day purposefully, and where we begin to see people like you see them. And I thank you, God, that it would cause us to be willing to be inconvenienced. Lord, we're not building for our kingdom. We're building for your kingdom. And I thank you, God, great is our reward in heaven as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Everything else will be taken care of. So God, I thank you this morning that you would come and do a deep heart work in us. If I'm speaking to you this morning in any way, just go ahead and lift your hand. I wanna pray for us this morning. God would just do like, as I prayed this week, I'm like, God, do a heart surgery in me. Uproot any contempt in my heart. And I just saw the Holy Spirit just digging it out of me. And a lot of times we don't even know how it came in, what it came in for. Like I said earlier, it's like you can have contempt in one area where it feels justified, but it's like a cancer, it comes in and it can bleed into every part of our life. So Lord, right now with hands lifted, I thank you that you come and you uproot that contentment in our hearts. You dig it out, Lord. We say we don't want any part of it. We confess it to you. And we thank you, Lord, that you would just go to work in our hearts today and this week and you would up 
Root it, dig it out of us, oh God. Even if it's a full-fledged tree, God, we say take the shovel to the root and get it out of us. We want no root of bitterness springing up in our hearts, oh God. But I thank you, God, that you would cleanse our hearts today of all unrighteousness, Jesus. We desire to live lives that please and honor you. So God, I thank you as you uproot that root of contentment in us, God, that you now would begin to pour out your honor in us, in our hearts, that we would be a people of honor, the people that see and recognize value in every human life like never before. I think we're gonna live different. We're gonna see different and we are gonna be willing to be inconvenienced like never before. And if you believe that church, can you give God, can you say amen and give God some praise this morning? Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.